You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. primary characters of the text are the disciples of Jesus and the Lord Jesus. The root meaning of a disciple is a learner. Someone that's being taught in order to gain wisdom about something or somebody. And of course, the disciples were being taught in order to gain wisdom about God as well as life. And you have to understand that when it comes to being a disciple, it's a process. And if a disciple goes through the proper steps, he or she will become what Jesus deemed in John eight thirty one and 32, a disciple indeed. Matter of fact, let's, let's just look at that real quick because it's important to understand the disciple starts off as a learner, but the ultimate goal is for a disciple to become, again, what Jesus deemed a disciple indeed. Consider John 8, 31 and 32. Consider this, the second clause in verse 31 when Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You're learning the word, but now stay in the word. Don't allow trouble to move you out of the word. Stay in the word. If you abide in my word, you are my disciple indeed. And notice how a transformation takes place when a person becomes a disciple indeed in verse 32. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. A thing or a person cannot bind you when you become a disciple indeed. You will not be consumed by worry of the problems of life when you become a disciple indeed. The reason being you are 
to the point to where your primary focus is the word. And when you walk in the word, you reach a plateau where you're free. It doesn't mean that you're not being challenged, but those things cannot bind you the way they used to when you were either a sinner or you were just learning to be a disciple. I said when you were a sinner or when you were learning to be a disciple. See, see, if you've been in the church for some years, certain things shouldn't worry you now. When, when you hear certain things, it shouldn't bother you. It shouldn't get you all out of whack. Why? Because you have grown from being a learner to a disciple in deed, which I deem a bona fide disciple. You legit now because you know how to count it all joy when you go through trials. You're legit now because you are consistent in thinking, talking, and doing according to the word. Now let's take it a little further. Let's go to uh, Matthew the 10th chapter. And we, we're still talking about the first character in uh, Matthew 14, which is the disciples. And let's consider the 10th chapter. Of Matthew for a minute. Verse 24. Ready? Matthew 10 and 24. A disciple is not above his teacher. Nor a servant above his master. Verse 25. It is enough. For a disciple. That he be like. His teacher. A disciple that goes from learning to becoming a bona fide disciple is going to be like his teacher. Y'all remember the song, Want to Be Just Like Jesus? We should have in our being to want to be just like our God. In thought, word, and deed. And notice this. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher. You should reach a point to where when you talk, you sound like Jesus. Or if we do it according to 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, where uh, you follow the pastor as the pastor follows Christ, you should, you should initially start out talking like your pastor. If your pastor ain't poor mouth, then you ain't got no business poor mouth. If your pastor is not pessimistic, you shouldn't be pessimistic. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher. 
Ultimately, we want to be like Jesus. But if Jesus is indirectly using me to teach you, you should be like me. And the only reason you're going to be like me is because I'm following him. How many understand the order? Say to your neighbor, if I'm not talking like Jesus, not thinking like Jesus, or not doing like Jesus, I'm not a bona fide disciple. I'm false, pseudo, jack Yeah, just ain't jack leg preachers. You can be a jack leg member. Woo! Look at somebody and say, I hope you ain't no jack leg member. Got a legitimate preacher, but you still a jack leg member. Yeah, bro, so-and-so go to our church, but he jack-legged. <laughs> wow, he don't think like Jesus, he don't talk like Jesus, and he don't act like Jesus. If you say you saved, but I see you acting like a sinner, bottom line, you jack leg. <laughs> Second character in the text. Or in Matthew 14 is Jesus. And and the one thing I really want you to understand about Jesus is that Jesus wanted people to not only understand life, but to receive life according to his word. Look at John 10.10. Y'all stay with me. Jesus wanted people to have life. Yes, he did. He wanted people to have life. Look at John 10.10. The thief comes not except to steal And to kill and to what? But then Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus not only wanted folks to understand life, he wanted folks to have life and and a special type life. The type life that he was, notice, giving. Look at what he says again. I have come that they might what? And have it what? He wanted them to have the type life that he was giving. In the book of James, the first chapter and the 17th verse, it talks about how God gives things or the gifts of God. The gifts of God are good and perfect. He came for us to have a good life. I said he came for us to have a good life. Say to another person, he came for us to have a good life. If your life ain't good, it must mean you ain't got a good connection with Jesus. He came for you to have a good life. Ooh, good, 
God from Zion. Look at John 10, 10. I am come that you may have life and have it. How? You don't believe abundant life is a good life? He wants you to have a good life. How your day? How things been going with you? Must not be connected to Jesus. He came for you to have a good life. But then James 1 and 17 says, not only good, but perfect. Perfect in the verse means complete, suitable for a specific purpose. He wants to complete your life. That's the reason I tell folks, until you get Jesus, you're not living a full life. There's no way you can be fully Doing what you're supposed to do without Jesus. Because Jesus is life. That's the reason he said to his disciples in John 14 and 6. I am the way, the truth, and finally the life. You can't have a full life without Jesus. Now Jesus equates the word. Breaking that down further, you can't have a full life without having the word of God. And so Jesus was about folks having life. And he and he and he wanted people to know how they could get life. Consider Matthew 4. We're talking about the second character. We're talking about Jesus. And now we're going to Matthew the fourth chapter to to see what Jesus had to say about life because that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to have life and that more. Consider Matthew 4 and 4. Now this is what Jesus said to the devil. Man shall not live by bread alone. He wants us to have life and look how we're supposed to get life. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live or have life by bread alone. But man is going to have life by every word that proceeds from where? The mouth of God equates the voice piece of God. See, God speaks directly and indirectly. That's the reason we have scripture like Romans, the 10th chapter, the 14th and 15th verse, where it is stated, how shall they hear without a preacher? Then we have scriptures like Amos 3 and 7 that says, surely the Lord God will do nothing Unless he reveal his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Then Second Chronicles 20 and 20 says, the last sentence, believe the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets or his mouthpiece, so shall you prosper. 
the way we get life is from the word of God. And, and the life that comes from the word of God is faith. That's the reason Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so when it comes to a disciple uh, having life the way Jesus desires him or her to have life. When it comes to a disciple going through the process of, of being a learner but headed toward being a bona fide disciple. A disciple has to have the word. A disciple has to have faith. Because faith and the word are synonymous from a biblical standpoint. Now, the antithesis of faith or getting the word, a one antithesis is fear. Fear will try to stop you from getting the word. God will be trying to convince you that certain things are going to happen. But fear will try to step through the door to try to make you doubt what does saith God. I wonder if there's anybody in here, God ever tried to get you to believe something. But then fear showed up. To try to stop you from believing what does saith God. God tells you give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But then fear shows up and says, if you give that, what's going to happen about this right here? If you do that, what are you going to do about such and such? Fear. We try to stop a disciple from fulfilling the will of God. We try to stop a child of God from walking according to the word of God. We try to stop a saint of God from putting into action the very thing that's going to bless him or her. You know the word will bless you. You done been saved long enough to know that if you carry out the word, the Lord will do what your eyes have not seen. In the text, the text is partly about fear and partly about faith. And that's the reason I bring out the contrast between faith and fear. Keep in mind before I go to the text that fear is one antithesis of faith. Whenever God sends a word to stir your faith, fear is going to try to hinder it from coming to fruition. And so in the text, the disciples were in a boat and here comes Emmanuel, Jesus, a God in flesh, walking on the sea. Walking on the sea. What is it walking on the sea, Walker? Well, understand this. Scientifically, or according to the study of the physical world, Walking on water is against the law of nature. 
the law of nature is specifically when, when scientists will look at something maybe a hundred or more times before they write conclusive evidence that it is so. And, and, and so imagine someone studying the physical world and, and they see again and again and again at the beach. Folk trying to walk on the water, but every single time they go down. And they stay out there from sun up to sundown, but they still see folks trying to walk, but don't even make a step before they fall. And so, when the disciples saw Jesus... Or saw someone because uh, initially they didn't recognize it was Jesus. They saw someone walking on the sea. They acted like normal folk. It's a Hank. It's a ghost. Back in the day, folk would see certain folk. You know, we saw our cousin last night. Cousin who? You know cousin so-and-so who died 12 years ago. I know that was him. I recognized the sound of his voice and I saw a piece of his head. You got some folk that will tell you about some ghosts. They got their ghost stories. To the point to where even even on television they devote time to folks talking about ghosts. They thought it was a ghost because what was happening was against the law of nature. It, it was basically something in reference to man that was impossible. I got to show you something though. I said I got to show you something. You think you're going to be ready for it? Go with me to the book of uh, Matthew and the 19th chapter. Matthew 19. You better hold on. I said, you better hold on. We finna mess the law of nature up with this verse. Matthew 19 and 26, Jesus looked at them and said to them, With me in this is impossible. But with God, some things are possible. That ain't what it said. It said, with God, help me. A what? Good God, that's good preaching. That's good preaching if you believe it. Say to your neighbor, with God, all things are possible. I don't care how many times they, they looked at it and said there's no way it can happen. God wasn't in the midst of it. God wasn't the one doing it. With God, all things are help me. 
With God all things are help me. The reason some of us are saved right now is because of God. The doctor couldn't get you to quit doing what you were doing. The therapist couldn't get you to stop doing what you were doing. The only reason you gave it up, the only reason you changed is because God did it. You better high five somebody and tell them God did it for me. That's the reason I change. Yeah, you used to drink up all the liquor. Yeah, you used to lie all the time. But it wasn't nobody but God that changed your life for the better. You couldn't change your life on your own. You know God exists. You know God turns you completely around. You know God did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. You know God was the one that blessed you. Is somebody say I know he exists I know he can do the impossible because what he did for me according to man was impossible even your old mama was amazed even your granddaddy couldn't believe you had gave up that dope oh but good God from Zion when God touched you from your crown to the sole of your feet you had to let it go and you ain't been the same since some of y'all that like you don't know what I'm talking about you must not be a new creature you must not be born again because if God has saved you you know it wasn't nothing but a miracle good God almighty you ought to just tell somebody look at me Look at me from my crown to the sole of my feet. I ain't nothing but a walking miracle. When I talk, it's a miracle. When I look, it's a miracle. When I take step by step, it's a miracle. Some of us should be dead right now. It wasn't nobody but God that rebuked death. Some of us should be in the crazy house right now. It wasn't nobody but God that fixed your mind. Look at somebody and tell them, can't nobody but nobody but nobody do you like. Woo, I'm getting happy up here. You better tell one more person, can't nobody but nobody but nobody. Do miracles still exist? You better look at this shop preacher. You better look at sister so-and-so. You better look at brother so-and-so. Because miracles still exist. Put them hands up if you know you're a miracle. He came walking on the sea. Cyber said it's a ghost. And they began, get this, to do the opposite of faith. They had been given faith week after week, month after month. Often they after day but they allow fear 
to stop their transformation from continuing to happen. The more God feeds you, the more your mind should become like him. The more your talk should become like him. The more your steps should become like him. The more you get God's word, the more you should believe like the scripture and not like man the more God blesses you the more God opens up doors for you the more you should begin to see that he is the real source and not your job the more God brings you out of this that and the other the more you should recognize that is not the doctor that can heal you but it's Jehovah Rapha God that is your healer the more he opens up windows for you the more he makes ways out of no ways the more you should recognize that God himself is your Jehovah Jireh the one that will provide for you even if it's not on the day that the eagle or your check comes you better tell somebody God is awesome And with him, all things are. They became fearful. It's a ghost. And Jesus said, It ain't no ghost. It's me. You, Lord? Yeah. Can you imagine the conversation? That's Jesus. It don't look like it. But the closer he got... When they really listened to the voice, they knew that is, that is the Savior. That is our Redeemer. And so, he not only lets them know it's me, but you can tell based upon the text that there was still a little skepticism. Some of them were still being a little pessimistic. Fear was still present. Because he had to tell them, don't be afraid. Even when he told them, "It's, it's me, he had to still tell them, don't be afraid. Say your neighbor, even when he gave him a rhema word, he still had to tell him not to be fearful. See, because see, fear is a dangerous thing. Fear is not only an antithesis of faith, but fear is something that torments. 
Especially if you allow it to continue operating in your life. Especially if you allow it to become a part of your being or you allow fear to become a part of your mindset, your speech, and your deeds, it will torment you. Let me show you something. I'm, I'm getting ready to close it, but let's, let's go to First John, the fourth chapter. Y'all, y'all all right? Let's consider First John, the fourth chapter. Because again, Jesus, he discerned that there was still a little fear there. And so after telling them it was that he was the one that was walking on the water, he told them, look, you, you don't need to be afraid. Look at what fear do. First John 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love. Now, if there's no fear in love, and love equates God, right? God is. And if God is love, we can also reference God to being the Word. Let me give you that real quick. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we already know that the word equates faith. So they would not operate in love or they would not operate in faith. When we write or divide the word, will we be right in saying that? There is no fear in, would I be right in saying there is no fear in faith? There is no fear in love, but perfect faith or love cast out what? See when, see, when the word is in you the way it needs to be, fear ain't going to be able to control you. Why? Because your faith will cast fear out. But if the word is not rooted in you the way it needs to be rooted in you, fear will turn you every which way but loose. And some of us have heard, had a good word and we decreed that's my rhema, but, but an hour or two thereafter, fear showed up and it turned you every which way but loose. It was as if you didn't even hear what was being proclamated. Instead of your faith casting out fear. Fear cast out your faith. Fear caused your, your, your hope in the word to just disappear. Yeah, we was hoping that God, but now why? Because of what they said. Do you know it's not over until God says it's over? God so, so awesome to where when you consider the scripture, he went to the graveyard and, and told a man to get up because it wasn't over. Lazarus! Say to your neighbor, it ain't over until God says it's over. And tell them your situation ain't over unless God untold you it's over. Put that cry tower up. Put that 
pity party up. Put everything pessimistic up. It ain't over until God says it's over. Yeah, I know it hurt, but it still ain't over until God says it's over. Do you receive that? Perfect love cast out what? But then notice what he says because of this right here. Because of this. Fear involves or has torment. And, and look at this right here. See, I told you the disciples had halted that transformation. Look at the, look at the last thing it says in verse 18. But he who fears has not been made what? In what? See, the process is not happening. They, they don't stop the process because of their fear. And, and sometimes when, when, when it get down to, well, we got to have the money tomorrow and we ain't got it yet. I guess we need to start, we, we need to start looking for something else. Look for something else. You, the process ain't over. Look at that last sentence again. Let's read it. Don't mess up the process. Look at it. But he who fears has not been made what? In what? The process ain't over. You talking doubt. The doctor says she ain't doing no good. Well, he ain't God. It ain't over to God says it's over. Your thing, look, if God decide to take her, we're going to celebrate. If God decide to keep her, we're going to celebrate. But what we ain't going to do is get in that pessimistic mode with whoever. Whether it's another family member, a doctor, or whoever. We're going to stay optimistic. And that's the reason Jesus, after telling them that, that they didn't need to be fearful, it was him. He also put in their being, be of good cheer. Bottom line, no matter what happened, don't allow fear to stop you from being cheerful. All that can go wrong can be taking place, but still count it all joy. I don't agree with that. Well, I'm finna get you some Bible. Even if you don't agree with it. James, the first chapter. Go there with me. I was just, I, I've quoted this and said it, but I want you to see it. James, uh, chapter one, verse two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various what? In one sense, that means when everything is going wrong, still be happy. Still be what? Well, they said it ain't no good. Still be happy. Why? Let me give you another scripture. Romans 8 and 28. All things work together for the to those who love God, to those who are the call according to his purpose. He dealt with fear in the text and, and saying to them, be of good cheer, don't fear. But if they had have been doubting, he would have said the same thing. Don't doubt, 
be of good cheer. There was a time to where some people came to get Jesus to come back and pray for their child. And and when they finally got back to the house, folks had went and got the mourners of folk who would make sure grieving was going on when somebody died. Now, we don't call them that in our day and time, but some of us know that there's a certain folk that's just going to show up when somebody dies and just going to just... But, but when they got back to the house, somebody showed up and told the parents, that, look, it's over. And Jesus, Jesus said to the parents, don't listen to them. Letting the parents know you need to just stay happy. Stay optimistic. And the Lord went in the house and raised up the child. Say to your neighbor, God, don't change. That's Malachi 3 and 6. Jesus don't change. That's Hebrews 13 and 8. You better tell somebody one more time, it ain't over. Finish it. I know you got a little more fire with that. Tell one more person with some fire. Good God, you got some good fire on the inside of you. I want you to tell yourself it ain't over. And I'm done. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.